the next installment, number 55, of the SUAS News Podcast Series, where we interview newsmakers and discuss the news and applications relevant to the global unmanned technologies community. I am your program host, Patrick Egan, and let's say hello to our uh, co-host with the million-dollar smile, Mr. Gene Robinson. Gene, are you out there? Oh, he's out there, but I got him on mute. Can you hear me? Yes, Mr. Million Dollar Smile, I can hear you. Okay, I was just checking because, you know, after spending three hours in the dentist chair, you know, I'm I'm a pretty happy camper at this point. Okay, well, the show's not like pulling teeth or anything, huh? <laughs> no, 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 nothing like that. <laughs> Cutting it close again. Anyway, <laughs> that's okay. We're here, and... um Let's see here. Anyway, okay, so we uh, any any um, any other new stuff get you this week, Gene? That you want to talk about? You usually like to bring up the current events besides your teeth. <laughs> What's going on? Well, you know what? I have noticed more than anything else. I, I don't know if there are other crises out in the nation that uh, are taking more precedent, but I've noticed that there has been a lack of news reporting on drones over the last couple of weeks. Have you noticed that trend? I have. You know, it's funny because I was laying in bed last night before I sleep. I call it the twilight of the idols there. And I'm thinking about that, and I'm like, you know what? The, the, the drone thing's kind of died down. I'd say died down a lot, um, uh, which is probably died down by about. Yeah, it is. It's very good. But, uh, I mean, I, I, I thought, wow, we went from it seemed like there was a story every 15 minutes about what a drone was doing or, or, you know, a use of a drone somewhere, and now you hardly hear a thing about it. I know. Well, you know, we're moving on to other stories, but, um, you know, I don't know. Uh, it, it is good, I think, uh, maybe where they're ready for a fresh news cycle about something good happening uh, with, with drones, and that's kind of one thing I wanted to talk about with this show is the Expo show. And uh, I wanted to kind of talk about the Small Unmanned Systems Business Expo, which is really, again, shaping up to be a world-class show. The eyes of the uh, global unmanned aircraft systems communities really uh, take notice of this. Um, we've got uh, some some great speakers. I wanted to kind of talk about that. And we're going to actually have one on. I would promised to have two on. I was going to have uh, Ted McGear speak about... Um, you know what his presentation was going to be like, but it looks like Tad's at summer camp today speaking <laughs> to the kids about unmanned aircraft, and that's cool. You know, I think that's important, so I'm all right with that. But we still have uh, Eileen Shibley on, which we'll bring her on in a little bit, but I wanted to talk about <laughs> some of the speakers. And people have been asking me, well, who's going to speak? Okay, day one. Um, we've got uh, myself. Of course, going to kind of open it up. We got Bruce Parks, who's been helping me out with the show. I wouldn't be able to have put this uh, expo on without Bruce. We're going to have Gary with an update from the dark continent. We're going to have Gum in via Skype. We got uh, Chris Norris from Alta Devices, Gretchen West from AUVSI, uh, Carl Hendrick from UC Berkeley, Jonathan Downey from Airware. Tad McGear will speak at the uh, at the expo if there's not a summer camp where he's at speaking. 
Ted Partridge from 2D3 Sensing. We got Gus Calderon from uh, Isis Copter. Ted Wears-Banowski is going to give an update from the ASTM F-38 committee. Eileen again from the California UAS portal. Sheen Var or Sean Vara from Motion DSP Inc. And they are also sponsoring a uh, beer and wine reception after, which is nice. We can all yep. get together after day one and and uh, have a have a nice cold Lone Star. Oof. I don't know how you guys drink that stuff. <laughs> I tried that one, and what's the other one, Dixie? Woo. I don't know. Um, and we got, um, I don't want to uh, massacre uh, this gentleman's name, but somebody's coming from Airbotics from Germany, uh, Douglas McQueen from LeClaire Lyon Law Firm, Ken Giles from UC Davis, who has been using the uh, the Armax for, for ag, Wolfgang uh, Jachmann from Velodyne LiDAR. He's going to give a 3D LiDAR um, demonstration on stage. That ought to be pretty interesting. Jerry Lemieux from the Unmanned Vehicle University. Chris Anderson, 3D Robotics. I'm on day two, of course. Uh, Mr. Gene Robinson from RP Flight Systems. That guy's a hell of a speaker. You're going to enjoy that Thanks. one. <laughs> That's right. After him, we got uh, Dr. John Appleby from DHS. Uh, he's going to talk about um, some of the science work that they've done. We've got Douglas Hunsaker from Scaled Composites, which that ought to be pretty interesting. Matthew Scheuer from dronesforgood.com and uh, Eli DeAla from Game Theory Robotics, which ought to be a really interesting talk. Those those are the speakers. That's day one and day two. Um, you know, without exaggeration, I think we're going to be in a once-in-a-lifetime show. With, uh, there's uh, a lot of knowledge coming out right there in that lineup. I'm telling you. And and the whole ethos behind this show is that I'm, I'm trying to start a, a conversation and a discussion. We're also going to try and stream this, and you will be able to t- Twitter in questions or email in questions for the speakers. Again, they, they've got to kind of be relevant. We will probably not bring up questions like, what flavor ice cream do you like? Stuff like that, but uh, we are trying to build a conversation and a dialogue here, and I am, I'm going to encourage people to ask questions. This, this might be the only chance you've got to uh, with, with with all of these speakers in one room. So that's that's kind of the premise there. I do want to talk about the sponsors. The sponsors have been great thus far. Uh, people are really getting it that that the the purpose of this show is to change the narrative that uh, there are people out here making money doing this as a business, um, and we're we're ready to get to work. We're ready to make some money. Um, and, and, you know, it's been said, but now it's been shown. It's going to be shown that we're, we're here, it does exist, uh, and, and let's move on. And I want to give a shout-out to those sponsors because everybody's uh, definitely on board with that. And we have, of course, the SUS News is the pretty much the, the producer of this show. Um, and uh, the podcast, of course, the RCAPA, the Remote Control Aerial Photography Association, which Gene is a board member of. Um, we've got MLB, who makes the Super Bat, which Gene talks about that. Uh, you fly those for NIST, which ought to be interesting. There'll be one in the room. They're going to have their whole lineup of, of, of aircraft there. And so that might give a little reference of, uh, to what you're talking about, Gene. Yep. Next Tech is going to actually, they're sponsoring the wireless Internet. We're going to have Internet at the new technology show. Who'd have thunk it? The, the Velodyne LiDAR. 3D Robotics, Alta Devices, 2D3 Sensing, 
um, LeClaire Ryan Law Firm, which that's going to be a great chance to ask your legal questions. AUBSI Silicon Valley Chapter. It looks like Domino's Pizza is going to uh, sponsor lunch. Now, I did put in the call. I did call um, the Associate Administrator for Aviation Safety last week. And it wasn't really about oh, really? Kawa. Yeah, I'm still waiting for the call back. <laughs> Her uh, her lead aide did call me back and and, and ask me some questions uh, about why I was calling, and that was uh, basically you know good news is the AUVSI is uh, going to be allowed onto the current arc, which is good news. It's a step in the right yeah. direction. However, uh, it did, the, the nomenclature was for the to represent small business and the end user, which we've probably all heard that before. I don't you know. If you've read some of the articles, that's kind of what I was saying. I still don't. While it's a step in the right direction, I still don't. I'm, I'm still concerned that uh, small business and the end user may not be fully represented. So I'm still. We're still working on that. But anyway, that enough on 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 that. Um, since Tad isn't on, of course, we are going to move right on to uh, Eileen. And uh, Eileen, are you are you out there? I'm here. Okay, Eileen is uh, head. Good morning. She's she's heading up an effort to land one of the six UAS test sites. Um, the and and I guess that's all part of the California UAS portal. And I know you do some other stuff too. You're you're busy, so maybe um, you could tell the audience a little about yourself um, and how you got to head up the portal and the other projects that you're working on. Be happy to do that. Thank you. Well, I have uh, a little over 30 years' experience uh, as a, a, my background is technical, supporting the Department of Defense. And about uh, the last six years, I ran the Unmanned Systems Division at uh, one of the Navy's test sites. And it was during that time that I kind of developed a passion for unmanned systems. Our job wasn't so much the platform. Our job was to integrate stuff onto those systems. And when I retired, um, it became really clear to me that I wanted to continue to work in this area, but in something that was completely unrelated to defense. And there's um, an airport district here in Southern California where I live. We're about 140 miles north and east of Los Angeles in the middle of nowhere. Um, not close to any major metropolitan area. And so it's a kind of a pristine location for doing research development and testing for any kind of experimental system. So we started down that path a little over a year and a half ago and uh, um, kind of banded together a group of us that, that were very excited about the number of commercial applications or unmanned systems, we see we see our niches in the small unmanned systems arena, and uh, that's what we're focusing on right now. So in my presentation, I'm not going to talk so much about you know the the potential to be a test site as I am going to talk about um, what we're actually doing right now at this site. All right. Well. Um I would agree with you. I think that, that that's pretty much the consensus here on the show is that the, the smalls are really, besides being the low-hanging fruit, I really, 
you know, that's one thing with the SUS news. People go, oh, well, you guys only deal with the small stuff. Well, really, uh, we, we really use the uh, European, um, let's say, box when we're, say, small. And and that's at about 150 kilos. And, and the consensus on the show and between most of us, and, and I know Gene and myself, is uh, we, we really feel that that's going to probably be 90, 95% of the industry. Concur, Gene? Absolutely. It's, uh, if you look at where most of the big players are going, it's, it's going to be, I would say, even you know, 25 pounds. I would I would agree with that, but uh, I mean you know really that's uh, when you get the economy of scale uh, down to the small stuff that's really where it makes sense. I, I just you know I mean I, I we we chuckle about it all the time the uh, flight hour for the Global Hawk and I mean nobody really sees a commercial case for that and whatever that's fine but really I, I think where the where the the rubber really meets the road is on the smalls. So that makes sense. And everyone talks about uh, all the different uses. And I think uh, Dr. Lemieux at uh, Unmanned Vehicle University has collected. He says he's got 200-plus applications for um, for unmanned aircraft systems. How many do you think you have, Eileen? <laughs> do, 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 you, do you have a list going, Eileen? Oh, do we have a list going of, of applications? Absolutely. Um, and it seems like every time we turn around, there's there's an idea about something else. Um, when we started seriously going down the path, and for example, uh, about eight months ago when we started working on our first COA applications, kind of because of the area that we're in, they were seeming to focus um, on agriculture. We're also looking at a lot of search and rescue, um, fire suppression and support, those are the specific areas that we've kind of focused on, but there's so many others. And then that led us into yet another area where we're spending a good bit of time, and that has to do with the the research component of all of this. So we're, we're teamed up with uh, several different uh, universities doing cooperative ventures in areas that are everything from um, GPS jamming, spoofing technologies, all the way to integration of ASB type environments and looking at different kinds of radars. So we're we're kind of broad, you know, full spectrum that way, but um, not having any trouble uh, keeping busy during the day. That's for sure. There's a tremendous amount of interest, and people are people are um, anxious to see these these sites um, be be uh, formalized so that. I mean, the hope is that some of this will become more clear, but even in the absence of that, we're filling out applications and putting things in and, and talking to folks on a pretty daily basis. And what we see our our area becoming is an innovation hub for unmanned systems, research development efforts, as well as um, a pretty robust environment for testing. Right. And, and um, you know, let me ask you about, uh, let's say, the local support from the area. Are you, are you having any issues there, like, say, with privacy or is anybody else, you know, noise or whatever, or is everybody pretty receptive? Um, we probably are luckier than most. Um, we have had zero um, issues. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely amazed by that. But uh, we... When we first started this campaign, we were pretty good communicators here locally. And again, we live in a very remote area. 
And so we went around to all the local clubs in the area. We went to the city. We went to the county. Um, we went to small businesses. We, we talked to the manufacturing side, and uh, we explained to folks what we were doing. And we live in kind of a high-tech area. There's a, a lot of flight testing that gets done in this aerospace valley that we're in, and um, the the local support has been tremendous. Um, we've had uh, almost a thousand letters of support come into us. We had over a hundred of them from small businesses in our local community, and I think one of the reasons is because we truly we are technologists. We absolutely are. All of us have technical backgrounds and have worked in this area for a very long time. We truly care about privacy. Um, we we want to ensure that we're part of the group that makes up a rule set that is going to be very considerate of those kinds of concerns all the way all the way through. And so we uh, we consider ourselves to be very nicely supported locally at the county level. Um, we certainly work very well with the state, it's a big state, as you know. Um, but we, I think, have addressed most of the issues. And in the research plan that we built for the place uh, uh, as a testing entity, we have a privacy plan as a part of that. Hmm. Hmm. Well, so it sounds like you, uh, you're you covering most of your bases down there, um, which is even more evolved. I was kind of in, you know, I, we actually, I think, worked for the same Nav Air group. And uh, when I was down there, I was working down there in Yuma. Um, I was part of the, the Arizona effort. And, uh, you know, it was early on, but they weren't as evolved as uh, at the time. Privacy wasn't really an issue at all. And And if you think you're out in the middle of nowhere, Yuma is like... <laughs> like the edge of the earth or something. But anyway, uh, it sounds like you've got uh, you know your 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 base is covered there. Now, how how is the um, how is your political support? Can can you talk about that a little bit? Um, sure. Locally, um, it could not possibly be better. We have had uh, all of the representatives for this district have been to the airport. Um, we have early on we defined an operating area um, because the little community that uh, we want to be the center of this is only a part of it. We've defined an area that's much broader than just this desert area. We have a lot of partners in the San Diego area, for example, and we have tremendous political support. San Diego County, Imperial County, Kern County, all of those um, uh, supervisors of the boards of supervisors have uh, been briefed on our efforts and are supportive. Our state representatives are engaged and supportive. Our state senators are engaged and very supportive. Um, at the national level, our representatives um, uh, are are um, very, very much interested in seeing us succeed in the particular area that I am represented by. Um, uh, Kevin McCarthy is our representative. He's been to the airport. He's heard our briefings. He's been involved from the very beginning. We've also had um, the same experience with our San Diego partners. So we feel like we've got um, a lot of political support. Yeah, um, you know, they're calling uh, that San Diego area the Silicon Valley of drones, which is kind of interesting because I'm 
I'm a little poor, partial to Northern California, and I'd like to make Silicon Valley the Silicon Valley of drones. <laughs> but I, there are a lot of people down there uh, manufacturing and in the business. So it's good to hear that you have that kind of support. But um, Well, and you know, one of the things I think along those lines, too, if um, the interest that we've received here in our little corner of the world is any indication, um, I think the U.S. is is ready to embrace this new technology and, and really get going because business is pushing this. And these these efforts are going to succeed because it's what business wants to do. Because those commercial applications are out there, they're going to make life easier and they're going to be... Uh, they're going to be cost-saving measures for a lot of the business sector. So I, I think that's what's going to drive it, and I think that we're going to probably see a whole bunch of Silicon Valleys, and it'll be very good for everybody. <laughs> that's my view of it. Right, yeah, and I mean, you know, definitely the uh, the uh, economy and productivity that it brings to um, every, every one of those um, highlighted sectors. Yeah, you know, we're we need that. We're ready for it. it's a revolution. The rest of the world has embraced it, and I I do believe that. Um, and I mean, that's what my presentation is going to be on at the expo. Is basically how we need to say, okay, well, you know, business and high tech, it's time to take the, the uh, let's say, become advocate prime for this technology. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, as, as even just a, a little statistics that the computer and Internet industry spends about as much money lobbying as defense does. In, in the 2012 election, it was almost on par. And, you know, another interesting fact is is that the lobbying money from Silicon Valley, the amount of money just coming out of Silicon Valley is is much more than the defense aerospace business uh, spends on lobbying. And I thought that was a pretty interesting statistic. It's like, uh, this seems like a no-brainer to me. So it's just up to us to change that narrative. And I believe the same, that it's going to be business that's going to say, hey, we're ready to embrace um, the savings. Gene, what, what what do you have to say? There's absolutely no doubt about it. Uh, the, the business, and one of the things that uh, you touched on there was the research end of it. I mean, if you can get a package into the air to do the research, you're going to see a lot more breakthroughs coming coming out. There's going to be a lot more experimentation with uh, with aerial packages. You know, it's not just the unmanned aircraft industry that's set to take off. There's a lot of peripheral businesses that are that are ready to embrace the technology just to proceed with the research that they've got going. Right, and that's a common thread that we have on the show with all these guys. It's like, oh, well, we're you know we're we're gathering, and I mean that's the that is kind of the 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 crux of the biscuit on the deal is this self guided data collection. You know, um, I can I can send it into a, a plume of the volcano. I can send it into the eye of the hurricane. I can send it out there and not disturb the animals. I can collect the data that no one ever uh, has has been unable to collect. I mean, you know. It's uh, I, I call it the lotus flower. It just keeps giving and giving, and and I mean that is like you said, Gene. I think it's just uh, what we're what we're going to learn about our own environs and the, and the earth. It's going to be it's going to blow our mind, you know. And we're just sitting back here, uh, you know, waiting, playing politics. And I definitely think uh, that's going to be my whole new drive. Let's go business. Let's grab the football and let's say, you know what, we're we're tired of uh, horsing around. Let's do it. 
a start. Let's let's make it. Um, let's embrace it and 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 start re- reaping the rewards of the transformative te- technology that that this represents. And uh, I think we're all in violent agreement with that. Um, so, Eileen, what do you what do you think the chances are, or let's say California's chances are, of getting a test site? Oh, I think that uh, I'm extremely confident. I guess I'll um, I'll say that right off the bat. I'm very very confident. If you look at what California brings to the table, um, we have the best airspace, and in the particular area where I'm at. Not only do we have pristine Class E airspace, it's unencumbered. Uh, we have no environmental concerns to speak of that haven't already been adjudicated. We are um, right next door to two premier unmanned systems facilities that have been doing research and testing in the area of unmanned systems for over 50 years. Um, we have, uh, as far as diversity of climate is concerned, we have desert, we have maritime, we have mountains. We have the highest point and the lowest point in the United States. We have hot. We have cold. Um, I don't think you could find a better environment to do this in. And that, coupled with the preponderance of unmanned systems, um, background expertise, intellectual capital, I, I feel like we ought to be very confident about our chances. Yeah, and, and I would agree with you. I mean, uh, you know, the other thing is I try and tell people is California has, has already, you know, had so many firsts in aviation. Um, you know, we've we've done so much, and you are right. The 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 um, let's say intellectual capital that's here. Like even more and more, I get uh, exposed to these. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call them whiz kids in uh, Silicon Valley, and these these guys are working on some amazing stuff. And they're really out there um, kind of working on their own in the dark, you know. And and really that's another thing that needs to be worked on, I think, is uh, – and that's another thing I want to do is, is try to have some sort of, of, of network or value added where these guys could come for mentoring. There's a lot of people like yourself and Gene and myself that could uh, mentor some of these kids that have some really uh, excellent ideas. I've met a few of them. I'm um, – you know, I, I'm going to try and help these people bring some of these technologies to market because I think that uh, they could change aviation, could change the way we live, could change the way we farm. I mean, it, sometimes I, I stand back and I look at it and I just say, wow, you know, it's so simple. I can see it. How come we just can't embrace this today? Anybody want to comment on that? I agree. I think that the applications are limited only by our imagination. And and I think that uh, part of our job right now, for those of us that have been in this world for a while and who, who do have that kind of picture of the future, I think part of our job is just, just educating because I think that there are a lot of people out there who would really embrace this if um, uh, if there were a, um, a deeper understanding. So I think that's something that we can all give back. But I think, again, these things are going to, you know, it would be 15 years from now, the conversation that we're having would be like what they would have had 15 years ago about cell phones. Uh, do you think you could ever uh, see the weather on your cell phone? Are you kidding? No. <laughs> you know, nobody could have, most people wouldn't have seen that. And I think 15 years from now, we'll be having the same kind of conversation about these systems. Gene, jump in there, that, buddy. I, I think that's a super analogy, Eileen. Uh, you know, we're, 
definitely in Moore's Law territory here because every 18 months it seems like there's something new and and really exciting coming out with uh, with the technology. And uh, I'm kind of uh, starting to get more involved in the near-Earth sciences that uh, unmanned aircraft can participate in. And, and i got to tell you, the, the education part of it, you hit the nail on the head right there. If you let people know that they can put something into one of these aircraft and get some good data out of it, they'll start demanding it, especially when you can give it at an economical price or, or more economical than they would expect from a manned asset. And that's a natural progression, and that's exactly, you know, Patrick and I have been talking about this, and now everybody is starting to get on the bandwagon, thank goodness. And and we're going to start seeing more and more things, like every 18 months, there's going to be something really trick come out. There's going to be uh, an a unmanned aircraft that's going to be doing some really wonderful things. Well, that's what I see. Yeah, and that's part of the, the the thing with the show is getting people together like these uh these guys at Alta Devices or they have a um they have a thin film um solar panel that they're saying they're getting twenty nine percent efficiency out of. Be perfect to put on wings of uh, unmanned aircraft. They said that uh, you know, that they're they're talking about um you know, uh, upping the endurance, and you know what? It, what's everyone talking about? It's endurance and payload, uh, and kind of on the Moore's law thing. I think you're going to have the, the technology is really already. You know, we talk about the lack of regulation, or the and even the lack of imagination slowing this this uh, sector down. But man, the technology is just going leaps and bounds, and. Um, I, I I just I, I can't see where people when they start seeing this stuff in action and say oh wait a minute hey you know look at these robots are farming and you got the UAVs are 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 getting data and you know we're we're counting fish and monitoring our levees I mean water in California is a big issue and we could use them for for all kinds of things related to that uh, you know I think people will go hey wait a minute. Uh, Wow, I, I didn't realize that. I, I think that the other thing that's been really kind of a, a kick in the shins of the industry is everybody says, oh, this is military technology that's being brought home from the war, which is not really true. You know, a lot of this stuff I keep talking about that people have been doing this prior to the big military buildup of this technology or even like Scan Eagle, which Ted was, uh, you know, came up with that. He, he, he invented it to, to uh, find fish. You know, tuna fish, shipboard, uh, you know, um, data collection. So, I think we need to, to 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 tone that rhetoric down a little bit and and tell people now, hey, this is this is kind of where this came from and what people were doing, especially Ted's work. And it's too bad he's not here today to talk about it. He was doing stuff back in the in the nineties. And I know, Gene, you've been at this for, you know, it seems like forever, <laughs> probably. Yeah, well. It, a long way since messing with this stuff, you know, even 10 years ago. Um, you know, I can't imagine Tad being back in the 90s. I mean, it, we, we were flying things, you know, back in the 90s, but nowhere near the sophistication or even stabilization that you can get available today for a little or nothing. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, that's part of that the technology uh, leap. But, yeah, I mean, they did, a, I want to say it was 1997 or 98, they did a, the Transatlantic, you know, Newfoundland oh, to Ireland. Yeah. Remember that, that was, one well. That was exciting. Yeah, and, you know, I'm sorry, go ahead. 
Well, I'm sorry. I was just going to say where where we're at. Um, Cal UAS is, is centered at an airport called Inyo Kern, Inyo Kern Airport mm -hmm. in Southern California. Um, oh, yeah. In the early 80s, did some of the pioneering work with with drones right at this little airport, and 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 again, the interest was in uh, technology transfer in those days. So focus was all about the ground control station and operators and that kind of thing. So we've come a long way, and yet we've borrowed a lot along the way too. Uh, yeah, we have, and and I think that uh, it's it's a good amalgam or amalgamation of of the technologies and whatever else. I just think it's people. As soon as you talk drones and military, they're thinking the air superiority gray and the missiles, and I'm trying to avoid that one. And I mean, not that we can deny it, and it has its place and all the rest of that. But uh, you know, hey. Uh, now is the time where, well, I think that we would already almost have the same advances. i got to be honest. If the policy clarification or change that that happened in 2007 did not happen, I think we would have avoided all of the, the privacy issues if the smalls were already in the air from, say, like 2009 when the ARC concluded. We would have avoided most of those. Uh, we'd already be in see uh, technology leaps. And this stuff would be integrated into uh, the business world already. And the only thing that's really slowed it is, is that lack of regulation, which is why we need the test centers so we can validate the data. Because that's another thing is even – and are you doing any uh, standards work? Or, or are you too busy to uh, be part of that, Aileen? We definitely want to be part of that, Um and that's one of the main things that we hope to be able to give back when we become a test site is to to take a look at that. And again, drawing from the background of a lot of folks that are part of this uh, pretty impressive team, um, there's an awful lot uh, to be learned. Again, if you want to just use the analogy of cell phones, look at what we went through before we finally standardized just on plug-in devices. And I think that we can, once again, from a technology perspective, we've got a lot of lessons learned, and we can put some of those to good use uh, coming up with standards for the small UAV community. Right. And, and you know, I think everyone's starting to realize that even the standards work, a lot of that. I mean, I've been part of this, and Gene has, and whatnot for, for many, many moons. Um you know, I think that a lot of that stuff comes up and people kind of put things out there, write papers or whatever, and and uh, and that's nice and everything. But really, you can have a standard, but if the information or supposed data contained therein is not validated, in, in my mind, you don't really have much. Anyone care to comment on that? Well, I'm, I'm not going to certainly not going to disagree with you. And in my experience, there are a couple things that that are challenges. Uh, one of the challenges that, you, you know, you're always going to face, and there's good and bad in this, and that has to do with uh, proprietary type stuff. Um, it's, just, it's just a challenge, and it's something that you've got to work around and something that you sometimes have to work harder to get people to see where the benefit is in having a standard. But um, unless you do that part right... You're gonna you're gonna cost yourself time and energy and effort in the long haul. Right, Gene. Well, it, there is uh, uh, the the very real need for a standard, but then by the same token, if you've been in the business for a while, that standard is very closely aligned with your business plan. 
and mm-hmm. uh, the business plan is what makes you money. And uh, that's where the, the, the end goal is. If you have investors, that business plan is a basis for your ROI. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it, there's a fine line there. And, you know, I, I, kind of, I can kind of sympathize with the folks that want to pull back from the, the standards because they don't want to give anything away from a business standpoint. But then by the same token, you have those that have so much clout that uh, they want to push their standards on so that, you know, you, their product is the only thing you'll be able to buy once the standard is, is uh, established. Well, it's so, a little bit of a yeah, it's a little bit in my mind. It's like that the game with the the shells and the pea, you know. Because on one hand, you know, the the FAA says, well, we can't use data from over there in, uh, let's say, uh, Iraq and Afghanistan. Which, on a side note, I don't know if you caught that, but I, I did a story about the findings where the C one thirty overtook the Shadow. Right. Right. And yeah. That I think if that was the other way around, we'd be this guy would be falling. Um, but whatever, that's conjecture. But I will say that you do have, you know, everybody's brought us some good points. You, and you have the shell with the P, and they're moving that around. On one hand, you know, this is these numbers are are etched in granite. Um, the FAA wouldn't really use them because they happen somewhere else. Um, but we know this to be true. Okay, well, show us the data and the information, and then they're going to come back and say, well, it's proprietary, and I can't. I mean, I've already asked for it. I, you know, if I'm going to open up a school to train people how to fly these systems. It's not, you know, I don't think it's going to be like the single-engine model and the multi-engine model rating like for MANT. I have different sizes, different classes, different, you know, I got my VTOLs, I got my whatever, and I've asked, okay, well, I'm going to need all the manuals, the maintenance manuals, the training manuals, the system manuals, and basically they looked at me and said, you're, you're, uh, you're crazy. I'm not giving you that stuff. So you're, you're not really playing, a, let's say, a, a square game in the sense that we're trying to build these standards, but you're just taking, asking us to take this data on face value. Not going to work. That is not going to work on or off Maggie's farm. Okay? So what's going to have to happen is it's going to have to be the business community. And people oh, you got to hit the business community in here. Well, the business community, I can't. There's no way. I mean, and this is one of the reasons I've given up with standards is I can't. I, I can't justify hanging out for ten years, going to meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting. And as in the case with the RTCA SC203, they they fold it up like a the pup tent. And now and now we're going to rebrand and we're doing the extreme makeover. Great. And I wish them all the best and the luck. But I'm not signing up. I, I just can't sign up for another five years with no legal we, income stream. That haven't we? Yeah, I mean, you know, I got the paperwork right here under the desk. I, I haven't even broke it out from ASTM 2005, and and I don't, I still don't think they have a published standard. Ted's going to enlighten us, um, but you know, even that stuff, I you know, I hear from inside the Beltway that there's concerns from the the, the regulator that uh, that some of the stuff in those standards will be very hard to verify. So it's not just me thinking this stuff up. So, you know, the test centers are an integral part of this. You know, the standard is going to come out. Who's going to validate it? Who's going to have a plan to validate it? And, I mean, that's that's something that I, I did want to talk about because even the, the uh, part of the effort that I had with Arizona is 
have you have you come up with a plan to say, okay, here's the standards, let's plug these standards in, and, and let's start working this data? Have you have you got that far ahead? Um, I'm not going to say we're on that page. Have we completely talked through that, thought through that, come up with a, a proposed um, idea about just exactly how we do this? Yes, we've done that. Have okay. we implemented that? No, it's just we're not there yet. I don't know that anybody is. Um, I think that it is way more complicated um, and, and necessarily so, but I think I think the challenge is to figure out how to not make it cumbersome. You know, you can do a lot of that kind of stuff in the background when you come up with rule sets, and most of us have lots and lots of experience doing that. So we can do that um, all day long. Whether we can get those kinds of things through the system and implement it is going to be the first challenge, and if we do, then the second challenge is how do we implement these in a business-friendly environment? Because okay. you can regulate something to the point that you can't get anything done. So we, I think it's going to be a huge, huge challenge for us to find that balancing act. But we're absolutely determined to have a business-friendly environment. And so um, I think that uh, we're going to probably have to put um, at least another full-time person on that one because it's going to, it's going to need that just to get us through the wickets. Well, I concur, and, and I'm glad to hear that you're thinking that way. Um, because I think that some of the other test sites, I don't think that they really had thought it out. And I'm not deriding anyone, but, uh, you know, the business case, making it work for small business. I've been beating that drum for years, and I think some people totally lose sight of that. They just they just don't get that. That's one. But I also think it's a very, uh, let's say, integral part of the test site application should be, hey, you know, here's here is how we're thinking uh, this thing needs to be done, and this is how we would tackle it. And I think that's almost as important as the airspace and uh, some of the other factors for determining test test centers. Now, and I don't – well, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just going to say I, I completely concur. I think that uh, what we put together um, is probably a very, very good start at something like that. I just don't want to say that we think we've got the whole thing figured out. Neither do sure. I want to to imply that uh, we know all the answers. I think we've got some really good ideas about how to do this, but we'll have to temper all of that by what comes back um, and, and, you know, what kind of relationships we have with the FAA. And right now they're they're very, very good. Um, but I, 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 I guess my main point is, we're walking into this with our eyes open, knowing that this is not going to be straightforward or simple and that it's going to take some time, um, but we're determined to do that right and to remain business-friendly while we're doing it. Excellent. That's excellent. That's, that's you know, refreshing to hear that because, like I said, you know, sometimes that uh, that message gets lost in the um, shuffle. And I and you know from day one my thing is small business, small business, small business, small business. Um, they're the ones that can really um, benefit from this technology, as you know, upstream let's say of the consumer. So the other thing I want to ask, and I don't want to I don't want to put you on the spot. None of this is meant to put you on the spot. But have you have you heard any updates about? Um, I mean, because we know you know Gary runs the Missomatic 
on the uh, SUS News webpage. Uh, any, any updates on, um, on on possible dates where they're going to pick these test sites? Are you addressing this to me? Yes. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. We have we have no information at all. We don't have any insight uh, or information. I guess the one thing I will tell you um, is that we noted that on the FAA's official website, um, it did change. I'm not exactly sure when. We noticed it a couple, maybe a month and a half ago, and it now says that there are 25 applicants hmm. um, hmm. from 24 states. That's on their official FAA website. We have we have uh, no other information at all. Well, it's, wow, that's interesting. Only 25, because I, I know that uh, even from the FAA, they were saying they had uh, they had calls and interest from from every congressional district. At one time or two. When, when, uh, when the applications closed on the 6th of May, when the last volume was submitted, um, their, their website said they had 50 applicants from 37 states. And we just noted recently that it says 25. So that's changed. I have no insight into what that means. Um, I, I don't know. All right. Well, you know, great conversation as always. And uh, in closing, maybe you could give the listeners your your website where they could learn a little bit more about what's going on. You have one? Absolutely. And and uh, we're updating it. It's uh, uh, going to have a completely different look and feel here in about four or five days. But the address is calus.com. Okay, that's, that's simple enough. Calus.com. I like that. Simple. Nothing that long-winded on that one. Okay, well, that's all the time we have for today. Um, I want to thank you for being on, and Gene, thank you. And uh, I guess we'll we'll see everyone at the uh, expo next week. I don't know if there'll be a yep. podcast. I'm a little busy. <laughs> <laughs> thank <laughs> you very will... much, Patrick. Appreciate the opportunity. Hey, thanks so much for coming on. Everyone have a good week, and uh, we'll see you next week. See you, see you next week.